Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Every single day, we're faced with invisible, unannounced, hidden decisions that really do require this great gift of wisdom. Like we almost don't even realize that wisdom has everything to do with logic or how we operate as human beings. Some people are super wise, like just automatically. They just make wise decisions. Some, just to be honest, are not wise. They don't make wise decisions just because. From wise decisions like in traffic, not cutting people off, to what food you eat, what food you don't eat. Wise decisions in your workplaces, right? Wise decisions in your spiritual life. Wise decisions through relationships and dating and marriage. Wise decisions in your friendships. We're constantly making wise decisions. Like when you walk down the road, you don't walk straight at somebody, although some people do, and they need to meet the wrath of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? But we constantly are having to make these wise decisions. Whether we understand it's happening or not, we have to make good decisions. There are some people, on the other hand, though, that choose to make unwise decisions intentionally, and I would call these people daredevils. These people acknowledge that wisdom is a thing and say, regardless of wisdom, I'm gonna do something ridiculous. And growing up, I was actually this person. Believe it or not, I've actually broken 14 bones in my body. That's a lot of bones in your body. Uh, From skydiving to snowboarding, jumping off of cliffs, I would do anything I could to get a thrill. I wanted to be a daredevil. I wanted to go crazy. It started when I was about 12 years old when I started breaking bones. And it ended just a couple of years ago. Brianna and I went on a trip, and I I broke my leg. And I tell you what, breaking your leg as an adult is a totally different experience than as a kid. Because when you're an adult, you actually remember every bit of pain sitting in the three-hour-long waiting room at the emergency room. You know what I'm saying? Lord, help the emergency rooms in this world. Lord, help them. If you work there, thank you. But I remember every single thing about it. So now I have this thing. When I come up to do something ridiculous or crazy, daredevilish, I have this new thing in my life called forced wisdom. Some might call it fear. I like to call it forced wisdom. (laughs) Forced wisdom causes me in the moments when I'm looking at my son's skateboard and I'm ready to just ride it down the hill. Forced wisdom says, remember your ankle. What is it about like broken bones that they just like radiate pain like years after, you know? I must be getting older. This forced wisdom is now a part of my life and making good decisions even in the times when I want to make bad ones. My wife, on the other hand, is actually one of these people that just automatically makes wise decisions. Like she's like, if it's going to put me in danger, I'm not going to do it. I have a lot of respect for that. She even, you know, has this wisdom to have like a a, a brake pedal on her side of the car and she's like slamming the floor saying, Alex, slow down. (laughs) It's my forced wisdom on the other side of the car, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But I love when people are able to come with wisdom off the rip in their life. I have so much respect for that. James goes beyond my simple explanation of wisdom. And James actually makes wisdom spiritual. 
He's not just talking about the little good decisions you make walking on the right side of the road, not doing idiotic things, jumping off of a building, anything like that. James actually makes it a spiritual thing. And he breaks down wisdom into two categories. He breaks it down into earthly wisdom, which is a self-made kind of wisdom, and into heavenly wisdom, which is a God-given wisdom. One will lead you to destruction, and one will lead you to construction. Do we see this today? Are you with me? So regardless of where you might fall in the midst of these two categories right now, I believe that God has something so specific for each and every one of us today. I'm contending for all of us to edify our wisdom by drawing near to the wisdom giver and that we would all grow today. I believe that God has great wisdom for each and every one of you. The right kind of wisdom that leads you to a life that God has called you to. The kind of wisdom that leads you down the straight and narrow. The kind of wisdom that leads us to reap a great reward. The kind of wisdom that opens doors to God opportunities. The kind of wisdom that gives you success, blessing, and favor. And this is available to us today. Amen? Amen. I want that kind of wisdom. So let's unfold James a little bit more to understand wisdom and how to differentiate between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom, as well as what the fruit of the different wisdoms are. And before we jump right back into the scripture, I want us to understand that the Bible, the very word of God, is still categorizing earthly wisdom as wisdom. It also categorizes heavenly wisdom as wisdom. You almost think they would be polarizing, don't you think? You almost think they would be opposite, like earthly wisdom is not wisdom, and heavenly wisdom is wisdom. That would make a lot more sense in our minds, right? But rather, the Word of God makes it very clear that even if it's not heavenly wisdom, it's still wisdom. We see this in business today. We see this in politics, sports teams, experiences, movies, the list could go on for days. Even going to a store that's run by someone who's operating in earthly wisdom can have incredible practices, can have a profitable company, can put on a great experience. We all experience this every single day. When you go into any store that isn't run by heavenly wisdom, it can still have wisdom. So why is James so concerned about if it's heavenly wisdom or earthly wisdom. Because it seems like earthly wisdom works out for people. And I would say this, it's because it's not just about wisdom, it's about what the wisdom is producing in your life. It's not just about wisdom. It's about what that wisdom is producing in your life. So let's talk about earthly wisdom. James 3.14. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. James comes out swinging right off the rip. He drops straight truth on the reader. He explains what it means to have earthly wisdom and what it will eventually produce in your life. Do we see this? In summary, wisdom born from envy and selfish ambition results in disorder and every evil practice. So 
disorder and every evil practice. Like we could talk about this for the rest of our time of all of the evil practices that earthly wisdom will lead you to because it's born out of envy and selfish ambition. It's a self-centered thing trying to glorify one's self. So you do things to please one's self. Everything you're creating is about your self. And humans were never meant to carry the glory. So how do we even know that it's from envy or selfish ambition? It's easy. Is it for your glory? Is it for God's glory? What are you doing it for? Is it so your name could be famous or is it so God's name could be famous? It's quiet in this room today. Today is our Growth Track Sunday, which is one of my favorite times of the month. We basically create a place where people can come, discover more about the church, understand the why behind the what. We want people to know what we're doing and why we're intentionally creating the church the way that we're creating it. As well as we have this tagline that we say, that's uh, discover your God-given purpose. Some people might say, uh, me serving in church and holding a sign out front is not my God-given purpose. And I would actually, this is kind of an interesting way to put it, that's not the purpose of Growth Track. The purpose of Growth Track is not to find more volunteers to serve in all the ministries of the church. Although that is a beautiful fruit from Growth Track, and we are grateful that we have so many, every single person on the stage today was a volunteer. Isn't that incredible? Amazing, amazing. But Growth Track, actually, what it does for every single person is that we believe when you align your life with God's plan, which is the local church and the spreading of the gospel, then you are living on purpose and everything in your life now aligns with the God's plans for your life. That's the goal of Growth Track, is to say your life has a bigger purpose. You actually can utilize your gifts. You can utilize the finances you've been given. You can utilize your relationships. You can utilize your time to make a difference for Jesus. Because the church is the plan of God. Now what was once selfish ambition of being successful and living well can be God-driven ambition that says, how can I make a difference on this earth? See, everything in our lives should be attached to the purpose of the gospel. So James calls it earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom. Why? Because it seeks to destroy us. The wisdom of the world is designed by the schemes of Satan himself, seeking to tear you apart and destroy you and lead you to disorder and every single evil practice. This might be a statement you don't agree with, and I'm actually okay with that. I would love to talk with you more. If you don't, come talk to me after service. But I actually really believe that if you have said yes to Jesus, you live in integrity and character, you say what you do, you do what you say, and you do the right thing, and you operate in the spiritual disciplines, reading the word of God, prayer, evangelism, fasting, stewardship, the list goes on. And lastly, you continue in a relationship with Jesus. I actually believe that if God has laid out decisions in front of you, you could just pick one that you desire. So many people over-spiritualize the decisions in front of them. 
Brianna and I, when we were looking to plant a church, we actually had a lot of opportunities that year. We had different churches across the, the region in Washington come up. We had a church ready to finance a church. We had options in front of us. And, and it was really just this idea of praying and waiting and waiting for the Lord to give peace and stepping out. And what we decided in that moment is we want to have optimum impact. See, God opens the door, gives you choices, allows you to step into the doors. And he said, you could plant a church in Washington State near Seattle, or you could go to Tampa, Florida, whichever one. And Brianna and I knew after spending even just a moment here in Tampa, even just walking the streets and praying over it, we had peace in our hearts knowing we were going to have optimum impact here in Tampa, Florida. So we made the decision that was going to bring optimum impact in our life. So many people go down the track of, I'm looking for the one. I'm dating and I gotta find the one, the one that I can spend the rest of my life with. And I wanna challenge that really fast. I believe that if you find a person or even multiple people that all have said yes to Jesus, live in integrity and character, walk in the spiritual disciplines, right? And choose to have a relationship with Jesus, you could make it work with them. But you have the choice in front of you what's gonna be optimum impact. Like, is it gonna bring God glory through your relationship? You know what I'm saying? We have to make these decisions in our life. I'm actually a firm believer. There's not just one person for every other person. Like, you gotta search the whole world and you gotta wait till you're 80 to find the right person, you know? We actually got some, like Manny right here, he's single, you know, holler at your boy. He needs to find a girl, so God help him. Naomi right here needs a husband, let's go. Could be in this room, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Well, you don't need to wait. As long as you're saying yes to Jesus, living in integrity and character, all the things that I said, you can make that great decision. What's gonna bring optimum impact in your life? But earthly wisdom tells you, when looking for a significant other, it's about you. It's about selfish ambition. It's about what can please you. That's why people will do the thing that's date to save, right, or the missionary dating, where they'll find someone who's not a believer and say, my relationship can bring them closer to God. I'm gonna be a witness to them. But the Bible is very clear about this. Don't be unequally yoked. See, the reason people compromise is because it's from a place of selfish ambition and all of that will lead to destruction. So secondly, heavenly wisdom. James 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. We see the distinction now that heavenly and godly wisdom leads us to incredible fruit. First of all, it says it's pure. I love the Greek word for pure right here. It's hagnotes, which actually means innocent or being aware, unaware of. I love that idea because have you ever met someone who's incredibly successful yet isn't prideful about it? There's this beautiful like unawareness of like, you don't realize like how actually like you could act right now because of how successful you are, yet they just walk in like a confidence and a peace. And I love that idea of almost the purity of heart. You're walking in God's wisdom and yet there's an unaware and an innocence to understanding the wisdom on your life. It's a beautiful way to look at it. And then it says this, um, heavenly wisdom leads you to be peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. I don't know about you, but I would love if every decision in my life led me to produce those things. Imagine a world, imagine a workspace, imagine a family that operated in heavenly godly wisdom. 
It'd be like no other experience or encounter you've ever had. King Solomon was the greatest example of someone who inquired godly wisdom in the Bible. In the beginning of 2 Chronicles, it's actually the transition of kingship where King David is now resigning the throne to Solomon. And it says that King David is bringing the ark up and he built a tent around it. And then here is Solomon ready to take over the kingdom. And so I want to pick it up in verse 6, 2 Chronicles 1, verse 6. It says this, Solomon went to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand bird offerings on it. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, whatever, or ask for whatever you want me to give to you. Solomon answered, God, you've shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me a king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, everyone say heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people, over whom I've made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you, and I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was before you had ever had, and none after you will have. Then Solomon went to Jerusalem from the high place of Gibeon, from before the, from before the tent of meeting, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon asks for heavenly wisdom. It's his heart's desire, as we read. He asks for heavenly wisdom. Solomon had his genie in the bottle moment with God. He had this moment where God says, ask whatever you want. Ask whatever you want. And Solomon asks and had the awareness to ask for wisdom. I don't know about you, but if this was me, I would probably not even have the wherewithal or the awareness to look past my current needs right around me. Anybody else? Like, what's the current thing I'm going through right now? Oh, God, just take that off of me. Yet Solomon has this audacity, this faith to be able to say, give me wisdom to govern your people. And yet God comes in the midst and meets every other need like no other person before him. And no one else will. The Mega Millions happened last week. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. And they gave away over a billion dollars to the government, to, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I don't know about you, whenever I see like a post about this, whenever I see like the giant billboards here in Florida that like have the numbers on it, do you ever play this game where you go like, what would I do with a billion dollars? I love playing this game. I'll talk to Brianna like, oh, we would first do this, we do this, like whatever. It's so funny though, but that is exactly what King Solomon was given. He was given a moment where it's like, this is a life transforming moment where you can ask whatever you want. And he had the awareness and the purity of heart to ask for wisdom. Solomon had this awareness. He aligned it with the will of God. See, earthly wisdom in that moment would have asked for money, power, fame, long life. Yet Solomon, out of humility, asks for wisdom. Verse 13, 
of James, who is wise and understanding among you. Let them show it by their good life and by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. King Solomon goes on to become the wisest king to ever rule and reign on earth. Still the wealthiest man who has ever lived by a long shot. Like today we have Elon Musk, who's got about 240 billion. If the deal with Twitter goes through, it'll be less. But he has $240 billion to his name right now. King Solomon, if you compare the two, Elon Musk only has 2.1% of the riches. Or Elon only has 2.1% of the riches of King Solomon. So we see how much more extravagant, how God blessed, how this heavenly wisdom led him down this path that was unlike any other blessing. And what it resulted in is God getting the glory. Solomon used his great wealth to build a temple, the one that the foundations of can still be seen in Jerusalem, where he covered the entire inside of it with gold. Solomon, in his great wisdom, writes Proverbs that we call the Book of Wisdom today. He ruled and reigned over all the kingdoms during his time of reigning. His wisdom resulted in God's glory. And I wish that was the end of the story, church. I wish we could just stand on this beautiful story of someone having the audacity and the awareness to ask for heavenly wisdom, and they lived it out all the days of their life and gave God glory, but that's not what happened. See, earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom leads you to envy and selfish ambition. There you will find disorder in every evil practice. And I'm gonna invite the band up as I take a lengthy conclusion. I wanna go to 1 Kings 11 where all of a sudden King Solomon is reaching his old age. And he begins to make decisions in earthly wisdom rather than heavenly wisdom. And let me read. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast in them in love. He had 700 wives, Lord help him, of royal birth, 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. Let's jump to verse nine. The Lord became angry with Solomon, burned his heart because of his heart had turned away from the Lord. The God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of your hand of your son. Earthly wisdom leads you down the path of destruction. We try to do it in selfish ambition and envy. 
try to make our own way. We try to fill our own needs. We try to fill our cup with what the world says is what you need. Solomon got a taste of glory and power and instead of continuing to offer it all to God, he began to take it for himself, which led him to disorder and every kind of evil. Heavenly wisdom leads you down the path of construction. We have to make the choice to not only ask for heavenly wisdom, but to hold fast to heavenly wisdom. James 3.13, which we jumped over a bit earlier, gives us the key to unlocking heavenly wisdom. Let me read it. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in, what is it? Humility that comes from wisdom. Living a good life and deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. This is the key to walking and living out heavenly wisdom. If you're making a choice to bring God glory, it's heavenly wisdom. And if you're making a choice that brings you glory, it's earthly wisdom. Solomon was bringing God glory in everything. Yet when faced with the choice to deny himself to bring God glory, he sought himself to bring himself glory. So whatever God has given you, church, whatever abilities, whatever resources, whatever relationships, let them all be for the glory of God. And in deeds done in humility by wisdom, let's offer glory to God. Amen. Amen. Wisdom. Let's live it out. Let's ask the big ask from God. Let's seek after heavenly wisdom that God would offer us. Let's have the awareness to be able to ask for wisdom. When we come against that moment when we can actually ask anything from God, let's choose to have the awareness to ask for wisdom. I struggled with this part as I read over this scripture multiple times this week. How when faced with that moment where God asked Solomon, anything you ask, you can have it. How did he ask one of the wisest things that anyone has ever asked from God? How did he do this? Like what was the key to success in that moment that Solomon would have even asked for that? And as I read it and I read it, I came back to the very first scripture, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 6, as we read before. It says this, Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Do you see it? Solomon comes into the tent where the presence of God is comes to the place where the very presence of God on earth is. And what it says, he offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. What's the next scripture? That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask whatever you want in my name and I'll give it to you. Church today, what I think God wants to say in this moment is simply this. Where was Solomon found? When God asked him that question, he was found in a place of worship. He was found in a place of sacrifice.
who's found in a place of giving up offerings unto the Lord. It says a thousand. A thousand. He was there all day in the presence of God, offering sacrifices to God, worshiping God, laying down maybe what his needs were in that moment, saying, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to offer my life to you. I just want to lay it down for you. And when we was found in the presence of God, come on church, somebody better get excited about this. When he was found in worship, when he was found in prayer, when he was found in sacrificing his life, God opened the door and said, what do you want from me? Oh, church, I believe this is the word from you. You've been maybe making bad decisions. You've gone down the wrong path. You've made a poor decision about who you're supposed to be with, what job you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to navigate this life. Can I tell you, run to the presence of God. Seek after the feet of Jesus. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Come on, would you stand to your feet? Would you desire the presence of God like you never have? And there, simply ask out of a place of surrender. Lord, would you give me heavenly wisdom? Because there's something beautiful. There's just something so beautiful about when we worship because our focus is taken completely off of us and put on God. That's why we spend so much time in worship. That's why we take moments where we just let the music play and our team sings out moments. It's, we don't want you thinking about the musicianship. We don't want you thinking about what you're gonna eat for lunch. We want in this moment that it would be true, honest surrender with a focus on bringing God glory. I think that's the key that Solomon had in that moment. He wasn't self-absorbed. It wasn't about his selfish ambition. It was, how can I bring you glory? A thousand burnt offerings. Maybe today we don't get to bring a thousand burnt offerings. <laughs> Maybe we could offer a thousand hallelujahs though. And be found in the presence of God. And this heavenly wisdom will lead you, will train you, will equip you, will open doors in the abundance of life, favor, blessing. I believe will follow you all the days of your life. Would you put your hand over your heart? Lord, you see every single person in this room. But I, I know that all of us have made decisions in our life that operated from earthly wisdom that have been born out of envy and selfish ambition and have led us to all the craziness of life. I just pray we'd have the awareness right now to ask the ask that King Solomon asked. We want heavenly wisdom. We want to walk in the fruit of heavenly wisdom. It's pure, peace-loving, full of good fruit, sincere, impartial. Let every person with their hand over their heart 
begin to receive a fresh impartation of your heavenly wisdom right here, right now. And Lord, I pray over every person that they would have the awareness to understand that we don't have to go to the tent. We don't have to offer burnt sacrifices any longer. But because of what you did on the cross, because you died for us, and because you sent the Holy Spirit, now your presence is fully accessible to us at every moment of the rest of our lives. So we acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are near. We thank you that you are with us every single step of the way. Would you help us? Would you equip us? Would you train us? Would you lead us down the path, the straight and narrow, the path that leads to life, the path that leads to bringing you glory for the rest of our lives? We just wanna bring you glory, Lord. We just wanna bring you glory. It's why we're alive, it's why we're breathing. We wanna give you praise. We wanna bring you glory. This isn't about selfish ambition. Lord, let our lives align with your purposes. Let our lives align with what you want us to do. We wanna be used by you for the rest of our lives. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.